You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Mr. Chandler, what manner of devilish creature was that? I don't rightly know, Sir Malcolm. Like I've been saying, laddie, I'm a leprechaun and I'm wearing green, you see. So there's just no way that you'll catch me. And while you're a sharpshooter marksman with the guns, what I'm really looking for here besides me gold is Miss Vanessa Ives' buns. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting spooktacular episode. It's the Halloween episode of Fan Holes Podcast. We've got a very special show planned for you guys tonight. It's going to be a two-part Franken show, as our buddy Mike likes to call them. For the first half of the Franken show, we're going to be discussing the Showtime original series, Penny Dreadful. And this is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be your host tonight. And joining me on the first half of the Spooktacular Halloween podcast is one of my fellow fan holes and Penny Dreadful enthusiasts. Why don't you give a shout out? Hey, it's the Dreadful Justin. Awesome. All right, so yeah, and, and for the second half of the show, we're going to be discussing a feature film. It's going to be Leprechaun Origin. But, of course, we will be doing that in the second half of the show. So just to get into it right away, we're talking about the Showtime original series Penny Dreadful, which aired pretty recently for us, you know, pulling back the veil as far as the recording goes. And it aired from May to June in 2014. And it comes to us from writer-producer John Logan. So this is the same guy, if you remember, who brought us the James Bond film Skyfall. And... The piece is set in Victorian England in the late 19th century, and it basically is a smorgasbord of public domain characters. I was actually, it was funny, I was kind of hesitant to watch the show at first, because I was like, I don't want to start a brand new show on a brand new series, and I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what it's about. And my dad was kind of like, hey, you want to watch this show Penny Dreadful? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I almost didn't watch it, but I said, ah, fuck it. I'll watch it, whatever it is. Like, I don't know what it is, but let's watch it. And, I mean, 
just to do the the Larry elevator pitch, I mean, it, it's kind of like a grounded Universal Monsters public domain horror type TV series almost. I mean, it's all these public domain characters are in it. I, I guess the main characters are original characters. You know, I guess we'll just go one by one into some of the, the character breakdowns. But, you know, we've got Sir Malcolm Murray, who is played by a former James Bond, speaking of James Bond. Timothy Dalton, and he's he's kind of like a I'd say he's kind of like an Alan Quartermain type character, you know. He's he's this kind of you know uh, Congo explorer, you know. He's always going on safari in Africa, that kind of vibe and everything. He's a charming fellow and everything. Typical, you know, very British as British. Yeah, kind of like you. Like I didn't really know what the show was about. And then someone on the Trek BBS board that I go to, they were describing it, and they said, it's like the movie League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but done right. And that immediately got my attention, and I looked up the Wikipedia page for it, and I saw, like, Frankenstein and, you know, Dracula and Dorian Gray. I was like, oh, that immediately got my attention, so, like, I, that's why I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I just I, – I had no idea, and, and as I was watching, like, the first episode, I was like, oh, oh okay, I can see – you know, uh, elements, uh, you know, hints of things like the mummy, mm -hmm. you know, showing up in the future or hints of things like, I was like, oh, there are hints of things like werewolves. And there are, you know, obviously, you know, not even a hint at all. You know, one of the main characters played by Harry Treadway is Victor Frankenstein. And then, you know, you, you eventually, you know, by a certain point, you're introduced to Frankenstein's monster. But I guess just going down the, the character breakdown list, you know, one of the other characters is is kind of a clairvoyant Madame Xanadu type. Her name is Vanessa Ives, who is played by Eva Green, who for some reason mm. now, after I've seen this, just seems to be everywhere <laughs> for me. Like, it was just like, I didn't know who Eva Green was, really. Like, you know, it was kind of like, I, I, I feel like I've seen her on Doctor Who or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I know her from somewhere that I've seen her in the past, obviously, because she's probably been working for a really long time. But I didn't know her by name until this show. And then all of a sudden it was like, I watched... 300 Rise of an Empire, and who's there staring at me in the face is Eva Green, and then it's like, oh yeah, hey, guess what's coming out? You know, Sin City, a dame to kill for. Who's the dame to kill for? Eva Green, you know, and I'm just like, damn, lady's been working? Like, uh, she's, yeah. I, I remember yeah. her, like, way back, like, renting The Dreamers when it came out, and I was like, hmm, Eva Green, I'm gonna keep an eye on you, and then she showed up in Casino Royale after that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she's just been, you know, that that's the thing. It's like, I, I remember her from Casino Royale, but I wasn't like, oh, that's Eva Green. But now I'm like, that's Eva Green. You know, so, so yeah, I definitely, you know, now I feel like she's, she's turned into a name. So good for her. And I guess if I was going to do the Larry elevator pitch on this character, I would tell you she's like uh, Jane Austen meets the exorcist type <laughs> of character, you know, like that's, that's kind of what it feels like, you know, she's got that prim and proper, but also that underlining kind of dirty, evil, uh, satanic nature as well, which is kind of this weird, odd juxtaposition, you know, a, a very repressed, you know, decorum, you know, and she's actually you know, raised Catholic and everything, but yet there's also this skirting the edge of indecency. I guess I, I keep telling Justin that I'm going to ask him this, so I'll broach it now, but the show is called Penny Dreadful. You want to tell the listeners what that terminology means exactly and, and how it may apply to what they may expect to encounter if they should choose to watch this series? Sure. In previous podcasts, you probably heard me and Derek talk about, you know, 
pulp characters or, you know, the old pulp magazines from the 30s and 40s. Well, think of Penny Dreadfuls as, like, the grandfather of the pulp magazines. They were made of kind of the similar, like, really cheap paper, and they both kind of had the same kind of, like, lurid, you know, stories in them. Like, Penny Dreadfuls, you would often find stuff about, you know, highwaymen or, you know, anything from, like, Knights of the Round Table or usually something gothic featuring, like, vampires or, you know, Spring Hill Jack or, you know, some kind of, like, you know, serial murderer, you know, the like Jack the Ripper, uh, something like that usually, but they were like cheaply made, you know, made for like the working class public, you know, like people, you know, uppity people in like Victorian era would be like aghast if you handed them one or something. These were just like, you know, you know, like mass market paperbacks for like, you know, people like going through an airport just wanting something like to read or distract themselves pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it would be the same reaction if you handed somebody a copy of like Tales from the Crypt in like the the fifties or something yeah. like that. You know, like this is this is trash. It will melt your brain. Yeah, you know, but it's, it's just this kind of you know lurid kind of you know, entertainment. Yeah. You know, where where it's like it's like Mark Millar but done well. You know, like something <laughs> like that. You know, like that that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so so uh, you know, as long as we get that that part out of the way and everybody's sort of up to speed on what that is. Rounding off what I, who I would consider the three main characters is Ethan Chandler, Mr. Chandler, who is played by, I'd say he's one of my favorite actors, like he's played by Josh Hartnett, and you know, obviously for, for me, and, and I would assume Justin as well, this is a character for us Americans to cling on to. He, he is the American representative in this piece. He is introduced to us as a sort of showman, you know, a, a gunslinger showman, kind of like a, a Buffalo Bill Cody type, you know, going on these tours and, and doing all this fancy sharpshooting and, and marksmanship and everything. And I guess due to his skill with a firearm and, and kind of uh, being a character that can handle himself in dangerous situations, he becomes sort of a go-to to Sir Malcolm Murray and Vanessa Ives because... As we're saying, this deals with a lot of public domain characters, and it turns out Sir Malcolm Murray's daughter is none other than Mina Harker from Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, yeah, I mean, public domain characters aflutter on this series. So their entire purpose as characters is, is, you know, Vanessa and Sir Malcolm Murray is to get... Mina back from obviously you know the the Lord of Vampires Dracula so so there are hints of all these different you know monster types that that we're going to be encountering. Nothing I would say would come as a surprise, so you simply want the satisfaction of hearing me say it. Very well. I would sacrifice you to save my daughter. I would choose her over you. I might even hope I get the chance. But until then, you are invaluable to me. Your connection to Mina is my lifeline. So I must keep you alive. I put the photograph in the drawer because I couldn't bear it. It broke my heart. Not a young girl's heart, Vanessa. A man's heart. You must handle your guilt on your own. I'll not help you. Neither of us is free from guilt. Yes, but you want to be. That's the difference between us. Then you should put the picture back. 
let it break your heart. And we've already previously mentioned, as Justin did, that, that Victor Frankenstein is also sort of part of this almost... Uh, I'd say it's kind of like a angel level Scooby Gang almost. You know, it's like there are all these public domain characters, but they're 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 put together as this kind of CSI, you know, Victorian England CSI or something, you know, like whatever it is. And 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 one of the go to guys, of course, turns out to be Victor Frankenstein. And you know, he's examining all these bodies at some point in the first episode, and that's when I was like, oh look, Egyptian hieroglyphics. You know, I'm thinking like the mummy, the mummy. Like that's what I was thinking of. You know, we're introduced to, well, it, it's interesting, I guess we should talk about this, is at some point there's a character that he creates, and, you know, I think when I first watched it, you know, there, there's lots of, you know, obviously spoilers ahoy, but uh, we're going to get into talking about this series, which, you know, it ran for eight episodes, that's how long the first season was, and when we're introduced to Victor Frankenstein, you know, you have an image in your head of, oh, well, he, this is the guy who created Frankenstein. And so when you see him putting together all these different body parts and, and bringing this character to life, you think, oh, wow, well, th this is this must be Frankenstein's monster. You know, like this, this must be the monster. And you meet this character and I think he names him. Prometheus? Is that what Proteus. he names him? Proteus, Proteus. Okay. So he names him Proteus, and you're kind of sitting there going like, oh, okay, well, he's, he's a little tiny for Frankenstein's monster, you know, like, but okay, I guess this is more grounded, it's more realistic, you know, like, I mean, you know, relatively speaking for a, a horror fantasy type genre piece, you know, the, the, things are trying to be grounded. I mean, you know, even the vampires in it, they, they look very... I'd say Nosferatu-like, you know, they're all kind of bald and, and have the weird ears and, and they're always lurking in the shadows and everything like that. And, and so I'm like, okay, this is a bit more grounded, but almost immediately your, your expectation is turned on its head because this hand rips right through this poor guy Proteus and rips him apart. And then you realize, of course, that that wasn't Frankenstein's monster at all. And then here's the prodigal son, Frankenstein's monster, who has returned home, you know, to sort of, you know, lay the smack down on Victor Frankenstein and everything. And Frankenstein's monster, we later learn he's given a name, which is Caliban. He's played by Rory Kinnear. I just want to say, like, okay, first of all, like, being a guy who hails from a, a strong theater background, I mean, we'll get into this later with all the, the different episodes, but there's there's lots of, of fun theatrical references in here for anybody who appreciates that kind of thing. Like, Caliban? Like, you know, it's basically a nod to the Tempest. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the person who meets him and takes pity on him is this actor type, and, and Caliban, or the monster, basically ends up becoming a stagehand. I mean, he's, he's the stage manager, the, the unappreciated, unheralded magician who does all the magic that, that makes sure everything happens in the background. And, and, and what's interesting is the theater that, that they worked at, you know, it, it, it had these typical kind of genre type shows where you, you, you'd have shows like different revenge tragedies like you know I, I know like my one of my favorite Shakespeare plays is Titus Andronicus and you know obviously they go to see these shows at, at the you know the Guignol Theater which is basically supposed to be famous for the, the kind of gory 
spectacle that you'll see in these episodes where, you know, people are getting stabbed and then, of course, all this blood is squirting all over the theater and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, much like Titus Andronicus, I mean, it's like, you know, this this kind of piece where there there is much bloodletting on stage and and lots of kind of violence and everything and and kind of like you know the the title implies you know it's almost like the penny dreadful of of theatrical type plays and stuff like that so so that part of it was was really cool to me speaking of that i guess one of the other characters is uh, a, an irish prostitute named brona croft who is played by Rose Tyler herself, Billy Piper. And and I, it was funny, like, when I was watching this with my dad, he's like, you know why they hired her? And I'm like, uh, why? And he's like, you see the way she looks, like, when they're watching that play, man? You really believe, like, this is the first time she's ever seen anything like that, and she's so, you know, fascinated, and she loves it and everything. And and all I can think of is, like, yeah, they hired her because she has all this experience looking starry-eyed because she's been doing it on Doctor Who for, like, two or three years or whatever. You know, and she just looks at a bunch of green screens and blue screens but pr- pretends it looks like, you know, the most awesome thing ever. So I guess if you actually go to a stage and everything, it's not too hard to uh, to uh, sort of feign that, that starry-eyed wonder that, that she has and everything in those scenes where basically, like, she befriends Ethan Chandler, or I guess they, they, they have a relationship, you know, like, a, I guess at first it's a, a sexual relationship, but, I mean, uh, it obviously turns into something more than that. And I'm trying to think, rounding out the cast. So we did Frankenstein. Oh, and and then I guess uh, you know, in my notes, you know, forgive me, but this is this is Sir Malcolm Murray's Lothar. There's this character named Zambini, who's played by an actor named Danny Sapani. And and yeah, I mean that's basically what he is. He's Lothar. Like he he's the you know basically I I imagine he comes with him on all the expeditions or you know they they seem to hint at that that perhaps you know. He saved Murray's life, or Murray saved his life, we don't know, but that they, they have some kind of irrevocable bond, irrevocable, I can't even say it, bond that, that sort of you know forges their, their relationship. But he, he seems to be very handy with a blade and, and seems to know a lot about different mysticism and things like that. I, I, I was starting to speculate. Like It's weird because sometimes I don't think of the universal monsters as crossing over into things like the the exorcist but yet here we have you know these public domain characters like frankenstein and then you also have vanessa ives involved in things like you know demon possession and everything so to to me it's interesting i was like oh i wonder if maybe there's going to be like some elements of voodoo and spiritual weirdness like that crossing over with things like the mummy and Dracula and stuff. But what, what, what do you think about like this kind of cast of characters? Like, is there anything you want to add to the, the breakdowns? Like, did we miss anybody that we need to talk about? I guess I didn't talk about Dorian Gray too much. So I thought this was a really good cast. Like, I, like I'm always pleased to see like certain actors like Timothy Dalton showing up. Like I thought that was great. And Josh Hartnett, like I, I was kind of surprised, like, I guess from my perspective, like I hadn't seen him in anything since, 30 Days of Night, which was several years ago, so I was just like, I was like, hey, he's still around. Like, I, I like him, and it seemed like for a while he was like he had a big push from Hollywood, and he was in a lot of films I liked, like you know, uh, The Black Dahlia. Yeah, I thought he was really good in that, and Sin City. And then you know he had this big push, and then he kind of went away. So I was glad to see him in this. 
and you know I really like Eva Green too for certain reasons and Millie Piper liked it you know she's uh she's okay <laughs> if Tony here he would call her a chav I assume <laughs> <laughs> I think I think she's fine in this like I I appreciate I I think maybe because of the subject matter and how you know I guess eventually she she you know she's basically she's got what tuberculosis and she's like on her deathbed and everything so there's there's lots of I I mean I guess the 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 best way I could describe my take on this is I imagine this is what average viewers of the, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica felt like when they got really excited to watch the show week after week because it is, and, and I usually said this sort of disparagingly about that version of Battlestar Galactica, but I always said it was a drama disguised as science fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think in some cases that applies to this. This is this is a very well written, extremely good drama disguised as you know horror or or I guess universal monsters or you know whatever you want to call it. And 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 the monster part of it is good too, you know. But but it's just it it it's got just you know. I just feel like it's expertly written. It has very wonderful language because it's set in Victorian England. It, it's got people who clearly love the theater and everything. And, and, and you can see that, especially in the, the segments with Caliban where he's, he's acting as, you know, a, a stage hand, a stage manager and everything like that. And even though he's sort of unappreciated and hidden in the shadows, you know, there, there's those elements where Billy Piper is, you know, coming to the theater the first time and, you know, all these kind of aspects, you know, and, and then what's funny about it, we're talking about theater and everything. Like, here's something I didn't know while I was researching for the show, but Dorian Gray is played by a musician, really, hmm. named Reeve Carney. I, apparently, he's really big on, on you know, writing music, and he's not much of an actor. The, the thing he did before this was he was in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Hmm. And he was cast in that, the, the musical, because of his musical background. So there, there is actually some concern that he may not return to the Dorian Gray role because he wants to continue working on albums and stuff. Like, hmm. that, that he might not... I mean, I don't know if that's just PR bullshit or whatever, but when I was reading about, you know, did this get renewed? Is there going to be a second season? You know, yes, there is going to be a second season. It's coming out in 2015, and there's going to be ten episodes instead of the the eight episodes we got for the first season. But I, I thought that was kind of interesting because I was like, oh, he was you know he was Spider Man, you know, like basically in in the Spider Man musical. I'm looking at his page. It says he was in the Hill and Marin version of The Tempest as Ferdinand. Like, did you ever see that version of The Tempest? That was really no, no, I haven't. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but but yeah, there's lots of there's lots of callouts to to those kind of things. I mean, even. I mean, I, I don't know if this is self-serving or not, but Rory Kinnear, like, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of film and television credits as far as I could see, but he has tons of stage and theatrical credits, and, and he, he performed uh, a lot at the Royal National Theater. And I don't know, I probably never talked about this at all on the podcast, but I mean, I attended, like, the Royal National Theater studio when when I was in college and everything. Like, that's something I auditioned for and got accepted to, and I was part of a certain class and everything that, that went there, you know, I think in, what, 90, 97 or 98? something. I forget what year it was. It was, basically, it was the last, my in between my junior and, and senior year of college, I guess you'd say. You know, like, so, so that summer, I think it was like the summer of 98 or something. And what's funny is one of my buddies 
who is a professional actor actually went along with me and stuff and and we both got accepted and stuff like that so it was it was a fun time and everything but but actually it, it's interesting cuz a lot of that theatrical stuff, you know, takes me back to those days and, and reminds me a lot about certain things. I mean, you know, some things are bittersweet and, and some things are, are just, you know, nice, fond memories or whatever, you know, so I, it's funny, I'm, I'm thinking about my, my favorite line is, is basically the, the, the actor that finds Caliban, I guess, and takes him in, you know, because it's like he's got all these kind of marks on his face because he's, you know, he's Frankenstein's monster, but I guess most people assume he has some kind of, you know, he's been in some kind of accident and he's had like horrible, you know, surgery or, or whatever they assume, you know. And so there's this actor, Vincent Brand, who takes him in and, you know, basically is like, oh, well, you know, come on in and come work for us and everything. And do you have a name? And he's like, you don't have a name? Well, we'll call you Caliban, like the Tempest, you know, and it's just all this fun stuff. I mean, at least for me anyway, but it's kind of sad because he, you know. Frankenstein's monster, you know, basically has has a hard on for this, you know, leading ingenue actress that's there, and of course she's, you know, attached to this jerk of an actor, <laughs> who, you know, probably treats her horribly, but she still likes him anyway, like, you know, a typical actress or whatever. <laughs> and you know, th- there's a lot of these exchanges that that she and him have, and you know, I I don't know that that. It's 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 kind of sad, but there there's certain things that I I would think I could relate to in that sense where you know you're you're very passionate about a female and everything and 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 you really you know want to spend time with them, but of course you know being that he's Frankenstein's monster and he snaps people's neck and, and does all these <laughs> kind of nasty things, he obviously takes it way too far and you know he nearly ends up strangling her and at that point they sort of you know there, there's no choice like they have to eject him from the theater and everything. You know he did have this relationship with this man who took him in and everything who was almost like you know a father to him, you know, he, he, he has, you know, an exchange with him where he says, you know, you were one of the few people to show me kindness and, you know, I'll always appreciate that and stuff like that. But the, the line that stood out to me the most was from Vincent because when he leaves, he tells him, you know, he says, remember us as better than we are. And I don't know why, like, that just seems like, you know, there's lots of great lines like that, but I, I, it's just, that always, for whatever reason, that that stood out to me. I, I you know, I, I guess we're kind of going all over the place and everything. But I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything else you you want to discuss in terms of, you know, what what happens in Penny Dreadful, some of the public domain characters. But I'm I'm kind of open to, you know, wherever you want to take it, Justin. Um, speaking of uh, actors showing up, and I guess like Derek said, heavy spoilers throughout this. I was very pleased to see David Warner show up as uh, Professor Van Helsing. I like David Warner, uh, whether it's Star Trek Five or Six or you know, Batman the Animated Series. Like I think he's great. Detective. <laughs> or if he's like you know on Doctor Who, listening to you know, Hungry Like the Wolf or what have you. Like I, I think he's great. And like Derek said, this the show is very well written, very well acted, and it's a really good show. But at times it's very frustrating, and I think the, like for me the most frustrating thing was having. David Warner show up for like two episodes, and then he's killed by Frankenstein's monster. And in my head, I'm like, that's not how it happens. Van Helsing has to chase down Dracula. You can't kill him off. This is crazy. Like, and I was like, man, that was kind of a wasted uh, waste for you know to have David Warner like for two episodes and then just kind of kill him off. But I, I guess they transferred 
most of Van Helsing, you know, chasing uh, Dracula to uh, to Malcolm Murray to Timothy Dalton's character, but like. Well, I, I start to wonder about it too, because maybe you know, I, I I could understand the confusion and outrage, or the 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 idea that you know that's not how it's supposed yeah. to happen, you know, like kind of reaction to it, the the knee jerk reaction. But you know, I I think they're they've done twists before. I mean, I thought that Proteus was the monster at first until I realized he wasn't. You know, so so maybe there's this situation where you think he's dead, but who knows? I mean, there's all this kind of supernatural chicanery. Like, who's to say that Victor Frankenstein doesn't bring him back to life, too, and he goes and hunts down Dracula? I mean, <laughs> it, it could happen in, in weird, strange ways that you don't really expect, you know? So, I mean, you, you never know. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe you guys are right, and, you know, they... they basically, you know, had David Warner show up and then that was it. But I, I, I kind of, I'll, I'll hold some faith out and, and see if maybe he comes back in an odd supernatural way or something like that. It's not that I'm, like, against it for not going along with the book. You know, there's, like, there's so many versions of Dracula and Frankenstein. You know, there's Universal Monsters. There's the Hammer films. There's tons of other films. And most of those do not you know, closely follow the book, and a lot of times they'll transpose the characters of Mina and Lucy, like the uh, Franklin Gia version. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm completely open to, like, new versions, and you, if you kept doing the same version of these characters over and over exactly, it would be very boring, so I'm always open to new twists, but, like, I, I guess, like, where I like David Warner so much, I was just like, oh, man, like, what a waste. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of that, like, in terms of the Bram Stoker... I guess aspect of things like even even that character they come across Fenton who is a vampire like he he kind of reminded me of of Renfield. the the Ren, Renfield yeah. type character you know like I I was expecting him to like you know smack his shoe across the wall and start eating <laughs> flies or, or whatever yeah. you know like and 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 it does have that vibe of you know it, it's got that weird dare I say you know small villain thing of like who's this oh it's this person and but they got a you know they got a red jumper instead you know or whatever <laughs> you know what i mean like so it's like there there's that aspect of like oh cool is this going to be you know the invisible man but he's going to be somebody else or you know like i'm i'm sure there's going to be things like that where you get little nods but maybe it's not exactly you know cuz i think you know certain things are kind of iconic in a way. Like, I, I think, you know, depending on what version of the character you were exposed to, you know, obviously you and I both are fans of Universal Monsters, so you're, you're thinking, oh, well, Frankenstein's a dude with bolts in his head and green and looks like Boris Karloff and all this other stuff, but I, I feel like there have been so many different versions of those characters, whether it's Dracula or Frankenstein or whatever, that I, I don't think I have that same knee-jerk reaction to things anymore you know he mm -hmm. he you know basically like like this version of the character he's super eloquent i mean if we're comparing the hulk to frankenstein let's say you know this is this frankenstein is peter david's frankenstein <laughs> like he is a wordsmith he he reads literature he he's almost a poet you know, like this version of Frankenstein. It's not like me Hulk smash. This is like me Hulk eloquent. Me Hulk will regale you with my, uh, you know, wonderful use of the English language and not sound like a Malaysian dub TV show, you know? So I guess I'm so open to that interpretation at this point because there, there have been so many interpretations. His, um, his physical appearance, Frankenstein's monster, is a lot closer to the novel because in the novel he is dressed in kind of like, you know, 
basically whatever clothes he can find, and you know his face is full of scars. But the biggest change, or I guess the biggest difference, is that in the novel he has this long black stringy hair, which he he does use to hide like part of his face. And then you know since the Boris Karloff, that's the you know flat top and neck bolts have been like kind of a classic or standard appearance that people think of. But you know in the novel it's quite different. Yeah, I remember reading the. Uh, what do they call them? The those little comic versions of it, the classics illustrated mm-hmm. and stuff. And I, I, if I recall correctly, like those classics illustrated also had him as a, you know, had the the, the long black hair and that kind of stuff. So like, or even in like the the Bernie Wrightson interpretations where he does these gorgeous, you know, images of, of Frankenstein, and he he looks a bit more zombified, I guess, in those. But but he does have the long kind of black hair and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's definitely that, you know, very true to the the, I guess, novels and 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 kind of how the characters described there. So yeah, and so in that sense, you, you you know, I guess what what your your pals on the boards were saying about the the League of Extraordinary <laughs> Gentlemen, quote unquote, done right. You know, there there's that done right aspect to some of these public domain characters, possibly if 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 you think you know Hollywood kind of had their way with them, and they're like, there's not supposed to be bolts in his head. You know, like that. Then maybe you'll you'll appreciate these interpretations more. Tom Sawyer's not a secret agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean I I also think another comparison I I could make to something more recent is it, it does have that Godzilla 2014 flair to it, you know, where there's there's a high emphasis on on you know all the interviews they're like oh we were going for grounded realism, you know, in a fantasy horror setting, <laughs> you know, and 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 that's kind of you know the the uh, the thing I get out of it, whether it's like a Battlestar Galactica you know reboot or or, you know, Godzilla 2014, you know, it, it's, you know, very heavy on the drama and, you know, where we're, but, but there's also the, the, the sort of sprinkles of, of the horror and the sci-fi and everything. And, and obviously, like the title suggests, there is a lot of sensationalism. I mean, there are a lot of what the fuck kind of <laughs> yeah. moments in this thing. Like, I, I don't want people to come away from this thinking, oh, this is just, yeah, it's a fun horror romp, and, and it's very uh, uh, theatrical and, and literal and, and uh, or has lots of literature and everything, but, I mean, there's some torrid, kinky-ass, mm. fucking weird sex shit that goes on. You know, Dorian Gray is willing to try anything, anyone. man. Like, he's, he, he'll do anyone, anything. I mean, it's like when, when you get off on having tuberculosis ridden prostitutes blood all over your face like you know shit's kind of fucking kinky you know like where there's there's just some really kind of heavy ass torrid shit that goes on and that that's part of the i guess the lurid aspect of the the penny dreadful nomiker you know where where there's these kind of moments where you're just like whoa you know and stuff like that or you know i i guess i guess the most infamous one i guess will be you know the the exchange between dorian gray and and mr chandler you know where i was like oh okay you know like i i, I guess i sort of saw it coming i kind of i kind of saw the uh the brokeback mountain direction headed that way I, I i know i think when my dad saw it he's like what and i was just <laughs> like yeah i kind of saw that coming you know and he's like oh he's like i, I didn't think he'd go for it though <laughs> like you know, I, I thought he was supposed to be american you know like that you know thing where it's like you know so uh but um yeah it was just one of those things where i was like yeah you know i i was just kind of like it, i guess it creates like especially in the the episode where 
she's possessed yeah. by the the devil and everything. Like all these kind of weird secrets come out and everything. Where you know a, a lot of that has uh, plays a heavy role in that that episode and everything. And you know it's not only you know his secret with with Dorian Gray, but there's you know Sir Malcolm Murray and how he feels guilty about his son's death and you know all these different you know affairs and torrid things that were going on. I mean, you know, like, so there, there, there's lots of, of that element to the show as well. So, so it's, it's certainly, and it's not even sprinkled, you know, there's, there's a healthy, you know, if you're, if you're making a cookie dough, you know, there's a healthy, there's a healthy bunch of chocolate chips in there that are dirty and, and uh, lascivious <laughs> and, and whatever you want to call them, you know, there's all, all that kind of stuff put into the, the bake mix or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a fascinating show. It's it's holding my interest despite those kind of elements to it. I, I think a lot of people, you know, you, you might have one or two of those things, and some people might be like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> you know, fuck this, I'm out. You know, and they might take off. But it, it, I haven't had that moment with it yet because it's almost like, I guess, you know, you're like, all right, well, what are they going to fucking do next? You know, <laughs> like, you know. I'm kind of curious, like, what they're going to do next season. Uh... I'm kind, of, I'm kind of assuming they're going to follow up on the whole, like, you know, mummy, uh, Egyptology a- aspect, you know, because uh, I'm, there's um, there's an Anne Rice book that kind of ties vampirism into Egyptian mythology, and I think that's kind of the direction they're hinting at in this. At least that's that's kind of my assumption, you know, they've tried to tie in some of the you know, hieroglyphics in with vampirism, so I think that's maybe where they're going to go, but I mean, who who knows, like, it's, it's it's definitely been a very surprising show, like, usually when I watch a show, like, I can usually kind of predict the beats, I'm like, okay, here's your story beat, and here's your character beat, and I'm usually right, but like, with this show, like, I'm usually like, oh, wow, like, I, I did not see that coming, and I like that, so who who knows where the second season will go. I, I think I agree with you in terms of, of not knowing where certain story beats are going to go. I I think, especially with, with Mr. Chandler, you know, there there's that aspect, too, where I, I think I saw certain things coming, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the werewolf yeah, stuff and everything. But but the, the, the exorcism episode, like, that kind of threw me for a loop where I was like, holy shit, he fucking just did it. He was like, he must have, you know, you're like, you're like, what does that mean? Like, oh, he must have known some priestly stuff or, or, or something like that. Cause he just, you know, finally he just gives up and is like, all right, I, you know, I'm going to chant some Latin and get you the fuck out of Miss Ives, you know? And I was just kind of like, huh. So he's a, he's a werewolf priest, I guess, you know, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, we, we don't know everything. And, and speaking of that too, that, that is also kind of nice that, you're introduced to a, a, a pretty interesting cast of characters, and unlike trying to spill all the beans and, and do the origin in the first episode, you don't find out about Miss Ives and Sir Malcolm Murray until like episode six or something like that, and then and then you get kind of more details about their torrid backstory, and then it puts a new light on you know the previous episodes that you've seen. So I, I hope you know my hope for the second season is we find out a bit more about. Mr. Chandler's background, and, and maybe, you know, maybe there'll be an episode that's actually, like, set in America for, like, an episode for certain flashbacks or something like that. He can be a cowboy werewolf in the West. Who, who uh, was a preacher's son or something. 
So yeah, alright, so I, I guess unless there's any more thoughts, we're going to conclude this half of the Fan Hole's spooktacular Halloween podcast. But yeah, uh, enjoy this brief musical interlude, and then we will be back with Leprechaun Origins! Speaking of Origins... Hey guys, welcome back. We hope you enjoyed listening to me and Justin pontificating about Penny Dreadful for our Halloween episode. But now, as promised, I am back with another one of my fellow fan holes, and we're going to be talking about the movie Leprechaun Origins. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, we're just going to sort of talk a little bit about the franchise that kicked off the whole Leprechaun thing, and I am here with one of my fellow fan holes, so go ahead and give a shout-out and, and let everybody know who else is here with me tonight. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Tony, and do you got me gold? Lovely golden palaces, completely full of riches. I'll rip them off and rub them blind, those dirty sons of bitches. Exactly, exactly. That's what we're here to talk about, people having other people's gold. So we're, I, we're, we're talking about the, the Leprechaun franchise, which for, for six films starred Warwick Davis, who, of course, we all know and love from Willow and, and Star Wars and all these other places. But, you know, it seems like in that franchise he got a, a big chance to shine and kind of show off some of his, I guess, black comedy skills, if you will, and everything like that. Or, or at the um, very least, it, get a paycheck for a good decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the the first Leprechaun movie came out in 1993. There have been a, a great number of them since then. There's been six, and then just recently, you and I were able to watch the most recent one, which I guess they're saying is a, a reboot of the franchise, and that is Leprechaun Origins, which came out this year, so that's why we're trying to cover that for our Halloween episode. But I, I guess just, you know, to do what we do, you know, kind of break the ice a little bit, you know, we, we figured we'd talk about the original franchise. I know I just got Leprechaun Origins on Blu-ray, but it comes in a really nice set where you get three other discs that feature Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2... Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun in Space, Leprechaun in the Hood, Leprechaun Back to the Hood, and then, of course, Leprechaun Origins. So, I mean, I thought it might be kind of fun. Have you seen all those Leprechaun movies, Tony? I don't know. Like, what's your sort of experience with the franchise? I think the only ones I haven't seen 
are Leprechaun 3. I don't think I've seen that one. And, okay. and I'm pretty sure I haven't seen Back to the Hood. But I've seen 1, 2, In the Hood, okay. and uh, I've, seen, I've seen Space. So. Okay. So so what I thought I, we'd do to break the ice is maybe, you know, rank the films, like, of what your favorites are. And if you haven't seen some of them, that's fine. But for, for me, I, I think longtime listeners know anything that's set in space gets my jollies going. And so I'm going to have to say my absolute favorite is Leprechaun in Space. That is the fourth installment. It's basically a big rip of James Cameron's Aliens, but the Leprechaun is the alien. And on top of that, there are two extremely hot blondes. One is like an alien princess with a bunch of glitter, and she takes off her top every five minutes and is totally awesome. And I think she was like a Baywatch lifeguard or something and you know there there was another girl who was on episodes of like 90210 and Lois and Clark and she's got this very Marilyn Monroe pouty lips kind of you know boop boop be doop kind of cutesy thing going on or whatever so like both those chicks were really good looking and it was set in space and it was pretty funny I, so I will, I will being, say I, like as far as it being leprechaun like given the the you know the the basic premise of the uh, you know the leprechaun you know God, I'm going to say the word canon for, like, Leprechaun. They actually really did embrace the sci-fi thing pretty, pretty hardcore. I'll give them that. <laughs> yeah, I think what what it seemed to do, like, at least from my perspective, because I, I think when these movies first came out, I was in high school, and I was probably a big fan of stuff like Freddy Krueger, and I think that took itself more seriously, whereas this didn't, and I don't think... I don't know how to explain it. I don't think I got into these movies at all until I was in college because I realized they kind of didn't take themselves seriously and that made them okay. You know, it's kind of a... Like, the first film seems to me kind of like a... It's like a, a after-school special gone horribly wrong. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, it's like there's the a moral there, yeah. Yeah, it's like the acting is all, you know, pretty, you know, uh, okay. Like, you got you got Picard's not-son from Bloodlines or whatever, and you got Jennifer Aniston from Friends, and then, uh, you, you know, you, you got the guy who eats the freaking gold coin and everything like that, and then you got the little yeah, kid. Yeah, Francis who, from oops, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, yeah, Francis, yeah, yeah. And so he eats the gold coin and all that stuff, you know. But it's like none of them really, I mean, yeah, they get hurt a little bit, but nobody really uh, dies or anything like that. And then I think they went back and did reshoots where they, you know, extended some of the violent scenes because they, they knew they wanted to get that hard R rating and all that yeah, other there, stuff. Yeah, there was a couple of deaths, but they were they were definitely like n- not even even like secondary characters. It was like people you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think I think from from that perspective, I think when when I was shown that film, you know, then I was like, oh well, this doesn't really take itself seriously. Whereas I thought maybe it did, maybe when I was in high school. So I I refused to sort of watch it. But then I think I watched it later when I was in college because a lot of friends of mine were big fans of the films and everything, and and they were big fans of horror in general. And and I was a fan of horror, I'd say, but that was one of those things where I was like, oh, that's not like real horror. It's just kind of you know. I, I, I like in, I like in the original Leprechaun like series, especially like the first few. Not even to, like, sci-fi movies, like, sci-fi original movies. Like, those just suck. I liken Leprechaun to a cult movie like, you know, I would say Star Wars, like, holiday special where you can get a bunch of your friends together and have a few adult beverages and laugh at it, but also still enjoy it for... Because it's cheesy, but it's not 
bad cheesy. It's like it's like so bad it's good kind of thing, you know. Well, it's you know, I mean, I, I guess we have to bring it up because it'll come up later when we talk about, I guess, the reboot or remake or whatever you want to call origins. But for me, I mean, it, no matter how many times I see this film, you know, I always laugh my ass off when it gets to the end and the little kid's like, "Fuck you, Lucky Charms," you know, like yeah, it's just like that thing, like I. I was like laughing my ass off when I watched it again this week, and I was just, you know, I was uh, for the most part I have fun rewatching and revisiting most of these films because they're kind of tongue in cheek. They're not super serious. I mean, the first one, like I said, it's like an after school special gone horribly wrong, you know. And and then the yeah, the even second... the way, even the way they film it, you know, it just kind of has that like you know. At the beginning, that kind of oh shucks kind of thing going on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, Jennifer Aniston's a, a, a Jewish princess who's whisked away to quote unquote New Mexico, which is like you know two hours in in to like some Californian town or something really, but you know, yeah. it's like and then and then her dad's there who's like I don't know Zach Morris's dad on Saved by the Bell or something. <laughs> what you and doing then, there, champ? Like, yeah, you know, so it's like it's all it's all very kind of after school special thing, and she's like this this you know it it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of commentary going on, but there is that kind of funny aspect where you can tell she's one of these you know she, she she's not going to eat meat and she's a vegetarian, but then she's got like designer Nikes where the guy comments like you know these were made by like little slave children and you know. It's just as bad as eating a cow, you know what I mean? And it's like, and she's like, yeah. whatever, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. So she, she's, she's, kinda, she's, she's like an oh my god girl, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a tit for tat thing where it's like, okay, well, not, neither of you is any better than the other, and the leprechaun's going to try to, you know, eat both of you, basically, you know, and that kind of thing. But you know, it, it you know, it, they're all kind of just like funny fun movies that, and, and I think, I think, you know, a large part of that goes to, you know, Warwick Davis for just bringing the, the character to life, you know, and acting. Yeah. And, like, like, like you said, you said it, it didn't really remind you of like Freddie or Jason, but I would say a good contemporary of the Leprechaun is definitely like Chucky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like those, those kind of had a life of their own. They, they became sequelized in a franchise and especially once like, like uh, Ronnie Yu did, like the Bride of Chucky. Like they clearly took it in a more twisted, black comedic bent than than anything like Deathly. You know, God, I hate the term, but you know, it's like that. Everything's like this is realism, grounded. You know, like obviously, you know, the the Leprechaun series. You know, the franchise that that we have been watching, you know, is the furthest thing from being a grounded, realistic yeah, yeah. Like, when, like, thing. Like the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're like, this is based on real events that happened in Texas, you know, that kind of stuff. Right, obviously this is not based on real events with a leprechaun that happened in New Mexico, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's totally uh, just you know, 180 degrees in the other direction. You know, I, I, I guess, you know, like, we can we can sort of try to put together, like, what your and my ranking of the films, but, I mean, it's like the the first one, obviously, like we were saying, it's New Mexico that wasn't New Mexico. It was just really California, but, you know, whatever. It was in New Mexico in some, you know, small town or whatever. The second one was set in Los Angeles and kind of had a, a, a weird, like, I, I want to say, like, labyrinth, um or labyrinth thing, Freudian slip. Um, uh, <laughs> lab- <laughs> anyway, 
right? Because you have like you know Warwick Davis whisking away this princess or, or what have you, you know, like you know, not really a princess, but you know, this this yeah. blonde, good looking girl or whatever, and he wants to you know make her his bride and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, the acting, some of it was okay and some of it was, you know, you you could tell it was I think I think the low budget stuff comes out when they're like, "Oh, we got to set it somewhere, Larry." And it's like, "Well, where's the cheapest place to set it?" Uh, well, how about where we film it, Larry? Uh, Los Angeles. Okay. Greenlight it. We got, we got this back lot, Larry. It was just like, okay, so it's like, not only are we shooting it in L.A., but it's set in L.A., you know, and it's just kind of like, okay. Again, like, it, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. There, there's some moments, though, where it's like, you can tell the, the, the lead kid who's trying to, you know, carry the film or whatever. Like, some moments, like, are were kind of tongue-in-cheek, but, like, some moments you're like, was he really, like, I, I don't know if he was directed to play it straight or... He tried to play it as straight as he could, but, like, you know, some of these scenes where people are, like, you know, falling to their knees, like, being like, no! <laughs> and you're just like, come on, this is ridiculous. Like, it's not, like, a cool no, like, where it's, like, in some epic movie like Lord of the Rings or Man of Steel or something where people are, like, screaming and you're like, oh, okay, I I buy, you know, you, you've earned the right to have that little moment where you break down and scream. Yeah, have you ever seen but, that? Like, come on, dude, this is fucking Leprechaun. You didn't earn, earn that shit. Like, you can't just be like, no, the go-kart, like, no. I wouldn't be kind. Give it to me. I'm not giving you anything until I get Bridget. You're going to have to kill me if you want your stinking piece of gold. You know, so I was just kind of like, okay. Like, the, you know, the, so so it's like, you know, like you said, it's fun to get a bunch of people together and, and sort of poke holes in, you know, whatever it is, like the acting. And, 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 and I know you were joking about it, like saying, oh, you know, heaven forbid we bring up Leprechaun canon. But, I mean, I, I do think it's interesting to notice as you go from the first film to the second film to the third film and so on, it's it's not like there is any semblance of, of continuity. I mean, the, the first film, you know, it, it's set where it's set. You know, some old man caught the leprechaun in a box crate, and then he gets, you know, killed and thrown down a well and everything. You know, fuck you, Lucky Charms, and he's down the well and he explodes. And in the next film, it's not like a Freddy Krueger film where it's like, you know, Freddy's killed in the cemetery, and then they have to dig up his bones in the next movie at the same cemetery to bring him back to the franchise. It's like in, in Leprechaun 2, it's like, oh, well, he's just, you know... <laughs> he, he he's there again, you know, like he's he's you know in a fucking tree that uh, got shipped to freaking um, I forget it was some famous guy I can't remember now it was supposed to be a joke but it's like here from the people of Ireland you know as a gift or whatever and it's like yeah, was it Sean that. no it wasn't an actor I think uh, it was like a famous writer or something uh, like that but it's been forever since I've seen Leprechaun too I remember the whole princess and all that stuff though yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like you know, I, I you know that you know some of the acting was okay. Some of it was you know, you know, it was kind of cheese ball and all that kind of stuff. But it's like you could tell it was low budget. They did what they could with it, and and I think I think what they learned from that is putting that character in. You know, he, he, I mean, in some ways, you know, it's kind of like Captain America. You know, he's kind of like a man out of his time. You know, a leprechaun. You know, a leprechaun out of his time. You know. <laughs> funny moments where it's like you actually had the agent you know going oh that's a good act you got there kid like call me and then he rips off the guy's finger because he's got gold on his finger or whatever but but that premise stood it's like oh if you get 
you know, him in, in a certain setting that you wouldn't expect to see him in, and, and then play the comedy off of that. It's like Leprechaun goes to L.A., you know? Yeah, yeah they, don't, they don't really sell the story as much as they sell the character. You know, Leprechaun 2 was Leprechaun goes to Hollywood, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then Leprechaun 3, which you were saying you haven't seen, it was Leprechaun goes to Vegas, Oh, you know, wow. and so so it, you know, in, in this case, he was like frozen in a statue, and they took off the the gold chain, and then all of a sudden he's he's assaulting this pawn shop owner, and then there's this wide eyed kid who's going to college, and he's got his college tuition check, but then he goes into the casino, and it's kind of like a cautionary tale, like you know, and, and and then you know when he he loses almost all his money, but when he finds the one gold coin from the leprechaun's, you know, pot of gold, you know, then all of a sudden when he has the gold coin, you know, he wishes that he could actually win his money back, in which case the coin helps him, you know, fulfill his wish. And then basically the rest of the movie is this various cast of of tawdry characters trying to get this wish coin to fulfill their own, you know, desires and wants. Oh, that's, and like, that's almost like more of like a Tales from the Dark Side or Twilight Zone kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, in the meantime, you know, you got the leprechaun in the background or, you know, even at the forefront, you know, basically trying to, you know, get his gold back. You know, he, he, he really does a number on the pawn shop owner. It's like he bites off his fucking toe and, you know, stabs him and shoots him and all kinds of crazy stuff, bites off his ear, you know, stuff like that. There, There's, you know, the the wide-eyed kid ends up getting bitten on the arm, and then it's almost like a werewolf thing where he's slowly becoming a leprechaun, too, oh. you know? So, you know, there, there's those kind of weird aspects. I, I have a feeling that I've seen some of this, but I haven't actually watched it, because some of that sounds yeah. familiar, but I, I know I haven't seen the whole thing. What are you doing, you fool? We need that thing to escape. Yes, my queen, but first, we must find me gold. The force field is to make sure no one leaves without us. What did you say? Rich. You'll be rich when we find we go. And then, and, then, and then it goes on to, you know, again, a fish out of water type stuff. You know, leprechaun in space. What was kind of cool about that is the, the hot little uh, alien queen princess number or whatever. The, like, the one who keeps taking her top off every five seconds. Well, she does it like once. But basically it's supposed <laughs> to be like... But but it's supposed to be like, you know, oh, if you see the royalty's boobs, that means, like, it's a death sentence, you know? Like, because oh. if she's showing you your, your tits, you can't handle gonna, these tatas. You're going to be executed or whatever. But anyway, so, so like, what was cool about that, though, is, like, she's almost as as villainous a character as as the leprechaun. Like, she she's almost like his little Harley Quinn, you know? Like, because it, it's like she starts out being repulsed by him. But when he offers her gold and wealth and riches, and it's kind of like, I can help you bump off your dad so you can be the queen instead of the princess. Like, we can we can work together, you know, and stuff like that. And she's like, well, he's repulsive, but he's got a point, you know, like like that kind of thing. And you can see, like, oh, this is kind of, I don't know. It, to me, it was it was interesting. It was funny. I, you I, know, will, and, I will say, even though this is probably one of your favorites, I would say it probably is because I think because they were trying to aim – as big as they could with what they had. It does kind of come off the most low budget, though. Yeah, no, it's totally low budget. But then and then that's what's kind of funny about it is it's not like it's got the same production value as James Cameron's, uh, James Cameron's Alien. It's, 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 like, it's like a low budget, 
you know, McDonald's styrofoam express <laughs> version of James Cameron's alien. So, so it's not good in that sense at all. It's like, it's good in that kind of like, Oh, look, they're trying to do James, <laughs> you know, like that kind of like, I mean, that's kind of why I like it. Cause it, it is kind of cheese ball in that oh, sense yeah, too, yeah. Like, where you're, you're like, kind of like, I don't know. To me, it's like it's funny. the The franchise basically after that, I mean, it, it's the same kind of thing. I guess that's where you have you know Leprechaun in the Hood and Back to the Hood. Yeah, that um, was like kind of like a soft reboot because they didn't really change anything, but they it seemed like they were kind of going with a new franchise. You know? Yeah, uh, I I would say I would say Leprechaun in the Hood is fine. Like if you're if you're a fan of Star Trek, you may be happy to know that. Travis Mayweather from Star Trek Enterprise is basically the lead in that film. He's and the, like and the there's main... also a cameo by Snoop Dogg. Uh, no, it's Coolio who does the cameo, and then Ice T plays uh, you know one of the larger roles in the film. Oh, is Snoop Dogg um, the second one? I thought Snoop Dogg was in one. No, Snoop Dogg. It's probably just Coolio, and I just got my my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next it was. I know. I know. Coolio is definitely in. Leprechaun in the Hood. He he has a brief like cameo when they're playing like the magic flute and everything like that. And um, you know, I, I guess that's part of his you know pot of gold in this one where the you play the flute and everybody's kind of hypnotized by its its wondrous tune or whatever and stuff like that. I, I think that one was pretty funny too. I mean, it, it's definitely tongue in cheek. It, it's not grounded. It's not real. I mean, it's it's a it's a cartoonish caricature of the Hood. It's not the strict grounded, quote-unquote, realistic representation of the hood. You know, so it's kind of funny in that sense. And then Leprechaun Back to the Hood? Uh, I, um... I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan. It's like it's not. It's it's bad. Like the acting's bad. The the the, the mashup is bad. Like if, if if I was gonna pitch you, if I was Larry in an elevator and I was gonna pitch you Leprechaun in the Hood, I would say something like, "Hey, this is like kid and play meets the original Leprechaun." You know, it's kind of funny. You know that that they're they're the they're a little rap group, but they're trying to be positive, you know, and, and, and have fun with it and everything. But then, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like this Abbott and Costello meets the, the Wolfman and Frankenstein, you know, it's kind of like kid and play meets the leprechaun basically. But when, when they did back to the hood, it was like, they tried to do the original leprechaun meets poison the hood. And it was just kind of like, no, that's too. I don't know. For me, it was like that's not it was too. Work, gr- yeah, <laughs> it, it, it felt like it was too grounded, and also they couldn't. The, the the talent they got for it couldn't pull it off either. Like it was just. It. I don't know. It was kind of all over the place. And yeah, there's and like, there's like so just, bad it's good, and there's just so bad it's bad. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, that back to the hood was so bad it's bad. But but what about you? Like, how would you sort of rank all the different Leprechaun films? Even though I'm missing a few here and there. I, I, I like Leprechaun in the Hood, the first one. I just, I don't know why, it just, it was something very unexpected out of the franchise. Like, Leprechaun in Space, I could kind of see, because they did Jason in Space, and I'm sure if given time, they would have done Freddy in Space, but, you know, like, Leprechaun in the Hood, that was kind of interesting. So I, I, I give that my number one. I, I had to give the original Leprechaun number two, just because it, it is the original. I mean, you couldn't have had the franchise without it. And... I will definitely at least take your favorite Leprechaun in Space and put it over number two. Because Leprechaun 2 was just, uh, it was very, I, I hate to sound too much like a actual reviewer, but 
it was very pedestrian and pedantic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, they, they 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 all have their moments. I think for the most part, the only one, like I said, that I'd really be really hard on is Back to the Hood. But otherwise, I mean, I I, I find myself entertained by all those films. I mean, and then the other thing you have to look at it from is sort of like a horror fan's perspective. It's like how cool are the kills or, you know, how awesome are the titties and boobies? You know what I mean? So it's like, for me, it's like the outer space one with the, the really cute chicks from Baywatch and that little, you know, Marilyn Monroe boop, boop, doop girl, you know, I was like, well, Hey, they're, they're really cute. And you know, that works for me, you know, personally. So that's probably why I responded to that one, you know, with the most, you know, favoritism or whatever. But well, not, well, not only that, but like you said, yeah. you you kind of hit on this very briefly earlier. Like Warwick Davis totally sells the character. Oh yeah, yeah. No matter where he is, no matter what kind of continuity shenanigans they pull, like he's always he he's the linchpin of of that entire franchise. Yeah, you, you, I mean, I don't. I mean, I hate to say this. I don't know if you buy him as this horrible monstrous leprechaun. But you buy him as a character, like when he's like on screen, you're like you're entertained. You're like, oh, this, this, you know, even if he's being goofy, you're like, this is this is what I, you know, plop down my money to see, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, and 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 he sells the whole fish out of water thing, like whether he's discovering weed for the first time or he's just like, you know, what's the cell phone thing, like what's ringing or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. You know that the, uh, all those scenes, like he definitely sells those. So, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, like, well, I mean, my 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 picks were like, you know, pretty quick because I was missing a few. But since you watched the entire series, like, give us your whole five movie, like, you know, rating of like what do you put first and which one should we avoid? I think we already know which one we should avoid. But well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I mean, I, I would do four at the top and then the first one. And then probably like Leprechaun in the Hood, and then and then after that, like I, I might interchange, like go back and forth. Like for me, it's fun to watch too, just because I can spot all the places in LA that they're in. But like other than that, two and three are a little interchangeable for me. I I know a lot of people like three. It's like I I, I think my thing is I'm I'm biased to Vegas a little bit, but uh, you know I appreciate that it's a cautionary tale about the the woes of gambling and all that other stuff. So it's kind of it's kind of funny you know to 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 watch that movie. So I'd I'd say either three or two after that, but like I definitely would. Avoid Back to the Hood like the plague, though. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have too many problems with... I, I'd say if you're going to go for it, like, I, I think the first one and the fourth one and and In the Hood, the fifth one, are, are probably the best in the series. Um, yeah, no, you, you know, you could take or leave two or three, but, you know, the, the I, I definitely skip back to the hood. Uh, you yeah, know, we, pre we pretty much agree. Like, the first in space and in the hood are, are, are probably the best, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the the other thing I was going to say about in space is, even though it may be, you know, sort of low budget or whatever, I, I will have to say that I, I think the Lost in Space remake must have ripped it off because you had the Dr. Mittenheim, the, the crazy German scientist, <laughs> who who eventually becomes, like, this Spider-Mitten, you know? Like, he's, yeah. like, the... And it's kind of like in, in Lost in Space or whatever. So, but anyway, I, I I thought all that stuff was fun. I mean, in in a cheese ball kind of, you know, like you said, bring your friends over, you know, have your favorite beverage, and and just you know yuck it up about how 
how funny and, and, and ridiculous this, this, the camp is in, in these films and everything. Well, um, in, a, in a stark contrast to fun and campy, I guess we should go on to uh, the final Yeah, poem. yeah, let's, let's talk about Leprechaun Origins. tourist destination. This village is only like 300 years old. Whoa. Now that's creepy. There's a lot of things about our village that people don't know about. A lot of things that, uh, well, we like to keep private. If it's real history you want to see, you need to see the stones of the gods. It's a seven-hour hike from here. Well, you can always stay in one of the cabins down the road. Cabin in the woods. What's not to like? Did you hear that? There's something out there. It's locked. What is going on, guys? What is that thing? What does that mean? Leprechaun. Run. Sorry to give you such a scare. So this is the 2014 release. I guess it was on demand or something or... Or you know you could download. I, I, I think it, it did get a limited theatrical release, like in yeah, yeah, market. yeah, yeah. And so, but I, I guess me and you, we just got to watch it this week. I like I said, I got the Blu-ray set, and and this is the the seventh film, and it, it's it's odd because honestly, before you emailed me today and everything, like I didn't even realize like Warwick Davis wasn't going to be in this movie. Like I think I just assumed since Warwick Davis's face is plastered on all the covers of these Blu-rays, I just. I, I I don't even think it occurred to me, like, oh, this is going to be, like, some kind of reboot, remake, like they've been doing with all these franchises lately. Like, it didn't even occur to me. And then when you emailed, I was like, oh, he's not in it, you know? And, and then tell us about who actually stars as the Leprechaun in this movie, because I'm sure you know more about it than I do, given that it's a, a wrestling superstar. Um, Yeah, actually, uh, that's how I found out about it, because it was on a message board, it was like, Oh, WWE star is going to be in the next Leprechaun. I'm like, what? what, what? You know, and there is a. I don't even know the proper term. I think it's little people. I don't know, little person. I'm sorry. This is what they're called in wrestling. He's a midget wrestler. He, his his real name is Dylan Postel, but he goes by the name Hornswoggle. Yeah. Interestingly yeah. enough, his character in WWE for a long time was a Leprechaun. Hey, who would have fucking imagined? He he's recently given up that game, and he's kind of like a I don't know, just a guy now. Yeah, I, I read on the message board that he's he was going to be the new Leprechaun, and I was yeah. kind of I was kind of looking forward to it because he actually plays a comedic character when he was doing the Leprechaun gimmick. He was he was kind of a a funny like you know playful Leprechaun and stuff. I'm like, hey, he's got charisma. Maybe maybe he could pull this off. And well, we know how that turned out. <laughs> Yeah, this, this, I mean, you know, I, I guess without getting blow by blow into it, like, they, they try to sell this as a 
a reboot of the franchise. It's titled Leprechaun Origins. I I don't know that I ever really got told the origins of leprechauns in the movie. Like, it just seems like it's a bunch of kids that are supposedly going to Ireland, and one of them's a history buff, and they're not really in Ireland. They're clearly not in fucking Ireland. They, they, they even do, uh, like, the very, very generic horror stereotypes. Like, one's the really smart girl. One's the, like, kind of slutty girl. One guy is, like, you know, too the, serious. The wacky, funny guy. And then whatever. you have, like, the douchey yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the guy who was the, the quote-unquote douchey guy, he was in Freddy vs. Jason, so he was one of the guys like that was trying to get, like, Hypnosil or whatever, and he was in the, the asylum with all the other kids or whatever was going on with that. He was, like, the younger brother of the other guy. But you know, you know what this movie, like, okay, this is weird. Like, I, we're not really synopsizing this extremely well, but basically all the kids come to Ireland, they meet, Optimus Primal from Ireland, um, <laughs> Gary Shocks in the movie. They they offer to show them some famous historical site. They take them back to this, you know, rundown house or whatever where they're going to let them stay. The sun seems kind of creepy and uneasy and everything. And you know, the, the the only thing I can say for the state of affairs in the world today, as we know it, is it makes all these stupid kids in horror movies seem more believable because. I see weird crap all the time these days and don't bat an eye, and it seems like they're seeing weird shit, too, where, you know, people are armed and shooting at stuff in the the uh, grass, and they don't really question it too much. It's like, oh, I guess that must be what you do these days, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like for five seconds, you're like, huh, that's odd. Oh, well. <laughs> They don't even they don't even have a moment where they're like, hey, maybe you know these crazy people shooting in the grass. Maybe we should get the fuck out of here, you know, like maybe. But they they never have that moment, and you know, I guess you wouldn't have a movie, and you, you you, you barely see the this leprechaun or what 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 is supposed to be a leprechaun. It, it you you see uh, what I'm gonna call lep vision because it's like they're in the the the. the home planet of the Predators or something. Yeah, I'm about to say, if you ever seen Predator, space. you pretty much know what Leprechaun Vision is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like, it's Lep Vision, so instead of seeing, like, like Predator Heat Vision, it's like everybody, like, apparently is made out of gold or some shit, because everybody looks like a gold person on on this, uh, you know, infrared heat kind of... Yeah, or if you have gold, he, like, really wants you, yeah, yeah. You know that you bring up that, that he's a little person, and that, um, you know, that when he did the wrestling career and he had the, uh, a strong personality and everything... And I guess since we've been talking about all the other movies from the franchise, like the best way I can describe the tone of this film is it's such a departure from the camp and what you may like if you were a fan, like if, if you've come to expect a certain thing from a Leprechaun movie, this is not that throw like they, all they, that they, out the fucking window they, they yeah. went in a completely different direction like this this is like it, it, it's like if christopher nolan tried to direct the leprechaun movies or something where everything leprechaun was rises super <laughs> serious all of a sudden you know like for no fucking reason and 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 then i guess you were saying like it, it's kind of generic like like it, it, it kind of Okay, Tony, I, I have a confession to make. Like, I don't understand a lot of modern horror movies. Like, I was a pretty big fan of, like, stuff in the 80s, and I love the Universal Monsters and stuff. And I've gone to see modern horror films with friends of mine who are fans of horror in general, 
So I've been exposed to some of them. I mean, there's some things, like I say to you guys, where I'm like, I've never seen any of the Saw movies. I've never seen any of them. So, like, obviously that's something I totally, you know, missed the boat on or just wasn't interested in or whatever. But I've seen I've seen the first Hostel. I've seen, like, some of these crazy French movies where they're all splatterhouse kind of crazy crap that's going on and everything, names I can't even remember. And one of the movies that somebody took me to see was a film called The Descent. And it was a movie where these basically women go cave splunking <laughs> and and these these crazy trollish, slimy, nosferatu pointy eared fucking trolls just come out of the woodwork and people start killing each other with pickaxes and it's all kind of crazy and shit. The 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 quote unquote leprechaun in this looks like like, I, I guess great minds think alike, because when I went on IMDb, I saw, like, the first post was, like, somebody's like, yeah, this looks like something from The Descent, and I went, well, that's exactly what I was fucking thinking when I was watching it, like, they, yeah. and, and then the, 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 the premise, you know, it's, it's, it's that whole cabin fever, modern, you know, post-millennium horror movie structure, where you've got all these people together, and they're supposed to be friends, but they you know, when shit hits the fan, like, nobody's loyal to anybody. They really they, friends, you can call yeah. Air Trap is like, fuck you, Tony, I'm out of here, the leprechaun can eat you, you know? And, I, you know, nobody turns around to get anybody, or or if they do, it's like the one good girl who come, comes back for the guy, you know? Yeah, and, 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 I'm sorry for spoilers, people, but I'm sorry, it's fucking leprechaun origin, get over it. Like, yeah. the only person who actually does something kind of nice is the douchey guy when he cuts everybody loose. Yes, yes. And, and, and you know, what's funny is it, it, it's even ten times nicer than it should be because they've already left him behind once at this point. And, and he's, and, he's and, already and, the most and, fucked and up out of all of them. they out to him like, don't leave us behind, dude. And at that point, like, to me, in my mind, he's got every right to do that if he wants to, and I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't hold it against him. Like, because yeah. he's already been left behind in the bear trap or whatever the fuck happened to him. And he that just got fucked time. up like five seconds before that. Yeah, and, 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 like, his insides are totally, you know, like, he should be dead, but he's not. But anyway, and then and then I guess the reason why I brought up the thing about the uh, WWE guy, you know, the little person, is that when I was watching this movie, I had no sense of scale. Like, until I watched some of the behind-the-scenes stuff where they showed him. It is actually know, him. I was like you, yeah. That he gets into the suit. I, I just thought it was, like, some monstrous troll orc thing like it looked like normal size to me you know like like i don't know at least from when i was watching the film and then and then the other thing too is i don't i mean as campy as the leprechaun films were the, uh, in the original franchise and as uh, unstrict as they were with their canon you know what whatever the rules were from film to film within that film you know it you know there were some rules that were set up where it's like, oh, you know, the leprechaun has his pot of gold. If you take it away from him, he's going to come yeah, after yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't understand this. It's like, like it, it, sometimes it, it, gold attracts him. Sometimes he's scared by fire. Sometimes he's not. You know. Yeah, yeah, and this, like, you know, sometimes lights scare the leprechaun away, uh, and then sometimes it's gunfire. Like, if lights scare him away, why would he be going through the quote unquote Ireland grass, which wasn't from Ireland, in the daytime like i and then that like, might be the opening fucking scene he kills two guys two uh, people in the daylight yeah 
Yeah, and, and why was he after them? Like, did they steal his gold? Like, there was, like, a bag of gold at the end of the movie, but for the majority of the movie, nobody has any gold. And then, like, he was lured by the guy's Rolex watch because it was made of gold. And, like, he attacks the slutty girl because she's got, like, a, a fucking gold stud in her tongue. Like... Yeah, and how would he even see that? You know? I mean, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> well, he has lep vision. Obviously, oh, yeah. that's why yeah. he saw it, right? Like, I don't... I, no, I, I, I don't... Like, I don't... Why? Why? Tony was... Yeah. <laughs> why? why? You know, you know, you know how I said earlier that the uh, the original Leprechaun movies were not like sci-fi movies. This is totally like a fucking sci-fi movie. It, it, but it, like, I don't even understand the rules. Any like, it's just any What's old. Going on? Like, it's not. It's not like it was the Leprechaun's Rolex. It's not like he had a pot of Rolexes. Like, it's not like that gold stud. Like, it, like if they had set it up, like, I, obviously this is campy and stupid, but like, and it was not what they were going for because they're going for like this gritty, realistic, grounded. You know, we're going to a town and we're just nice kids, and then all of a sudden the doors are locked and Liam Neeson is calling for our release, and yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's, it's a like, monster. Like, yeah, 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 it's all heavy and serious and then all of a sudden it's like and like there there's no dialogue the leprechaun does not talk there's no witticism for this, this no. actor to display any you know comedic talents or anything no, like he that just it's, growls that's it yeah. it's just some sound effect and everything and and he he you barely see him and then they they do these kind of like awkward things where he there's that scene where the the slutty girl is under the decks and she's trying to hide from the leprechaun. And again, like Tony said, this is all spoilers, but I'm sure you guys are used to this by this point when we start bitching about movies and talking about stuff. But so the girls under the the rafters or whatever, and then it's like the the only two that are left are the the good girl, quote unquote, the historian girl, and and her her uh, med student. Uh, yeah. Boyfriend, the guy, um, the guy who would normally be the good guy, but he's actually kind of a dick too. So yeah, yeah, he's a douche. Like I mean, he, well, see, that's the thing. It's like it's like the minute bad stuff happens, like the morality of these characters falls apart. Which I think to the director and the actors and everything, they think, oh, well, how grounded and how realistic and everything. But in the meantime, it's like you've set them up as like being. You know, this guy's supposed to be straight-laced and by the book and all this other stuff, but you can tell, like, he doesn't care about his girlfriend, you know? So he comes off as, like, a completely... Uh, you, you have no empathy for that character. Yeah, like, yeah. You act, it doesn't matter how many you know, people you kill if you don't give a shit about any of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, most of these people, you don't really care about it, and, and then they just get, like horrifically frantic. And they get so frantic to the point where they're armed with, like, these these tools, you know, these farming, you know, axes and picks and pitchforks and shit like that. And so the leprechaun just shoves the slutty girl through the fireplace, I think, or something like that. And it's like, all of a sudden they think it's him. So they go apeshit, scream, and the axe goes straight into their friend's head. So it's like, ostensibly, they're responsible for the death of their friend. Like, they could have, like, not killed her, you know? And And, and, and then again, you were talking about rules. Like, throughout this whole fucking movie, we're never given any indication that the Leprechaun is actually intelligent or clever. And then all of a sudden, no. he's, like, pulling out some fucking, you know, like, you know, switcheroo shit, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he just growls, and 
pulls people down under the predator grass that's clearly not from Ireland, and you think he's just this animalistic force that is driven by Rolex gold and gold stud tongues and what, what, whatever was going on. She, he, he rips off the gold on her earring. I'm like, to me, it just seemed like it was like this cautionary tale, like, do not wear gold. And I'm like sitting here going, well, he's definitely going to rip off my chest because I've got a gold chain on my chest. Like, I don't know. But I'm like, it's my gold chain. It's not his gold chain. I didn't yeah. melt down his gold and make, I mean, she didn't melt down the leprechaun's gold and make a, a stud out of his pot of gold. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you can know? say what you want about the 80s or 90s movies, but one constant fucking rule was they took his gold, you know? Yeah, and, and so I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't understand. Like, that's kind of why I was saying, I don't, I don't really think I understand modern horror because it, it just seems like unless unless you're in this like splatterhouse torturous you know modern world thing it's it's kind of like it's not frightening unless it's quote unquote real like so they have to be tied up sort of execution style like for you to be scared I don't know like I. And like, the, the only person I actually gave a shit about was Gary Chalk's son, because he actually does have an art. He's like he he does, and 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 that actor was selling the shit out of his role. I mean, he he has different phases. You know, he starts out as kind of angry or or suspicious looking and unlikable, and then you know he 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 you sort of warm up to him a little bit, and then you you see how he you know, basically is in on this sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre family thing going on where they're feeding them all to the leprechaun. Yeah, and, like, you know, that, that's that's the sad thing, though, is because this guy is actually not a main character. He's, like, not even a secondary character. He's kind of a tertiary character. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy actually has, like, some sense of morals and decency. Well, it's weird. Like, they're trying to, like, teach you... I, I don't know. It's like it's like there's supposed to be like some kind of meta moral lesson going on here. Like I don't know if it's like you you shouldn't help outsiders or if you go to some place and you travel abroad you should be cautious. Like a lot of things seem kind of obvious to me, but if you were going to be cautious, you should have been cautious way at the beginning of the movie. Like if it's a cautionary tale, but then within yeah. that setting, you know, you've got the Gary Chalk father, you know, that we were joking about, Optimus Primal who's Irish, right? But it's like if they spent half the time they spent hunting down these poor stupid fucking American douchebag kids, right? That that are in the middle of of Ireland. They, they could take like about twenty guys out into the fucking forest and kill this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. They could have taken all those shotguns and all those pitchforks and all that other bullshit. They could have. You're like they could have caught the one fucking leprechaun. Like what? You know. And then of course this is. I mean, I guess jump all the way to the head. But basically, everybody but the girl gets scragged. This this guy breaks down because Gary Chalk falls down the fucking stairs and breaks his hump or whatever, and the leprechaun thing, troll monster from the descent, you know, eats his ass, and he's sitting there crying about it and everything. And uh, I, 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 I'm saying that sequel bait right there. I think he's probably going to come back and be like a fucking leprechaun hunter in the next one. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what what the deal is. Like we never see him again, right? And then. And then the the he tells the girl, you know, the good girl, you know, because that's where he breaks down his conscience. Like, it's really weird. Like, why would you, you know, he, he, he definitely has that, quote, unquote, realistic, quote, unquote, dramatic arc where it's like he starts out on his father's side and they're all into the 
Texas Chainsaw family business thing of feeding these people the leprechauns, and he, he's questioning it, and he, he's not sure about it, and then he, he's trying to get them to stop in a nice way. And finally, he resorts to turning his own gun on his dad, you know? And at that point, that's when they get into the scuffle, and he falls down, and a leprechaun eats Gary Chalk and all this other shit. But it's like... There, there was one nice moment, though, if you notice this, if you watch the movie, which I know you did, but I'm just saying for people who watch it, he ran out of bullets. He wasn't going to shoot his dad. He was just threatening him. Yeah, yeah, but 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 I I think to that point, like like if you get to the point where you're going to turn on your own family, like your own blood for some kind of uh, moral reasoning, like even in that sense, like wouldn't it be better to go like if you had a moral quandary, right, with what your family was doing? The reason why they're doing it is to appease this leprechaun, right? So again, even if you can't get a whole army of those guys, wouldn't you, I don't know. I, for me, I'm always thinking like in terms of like, I would always be asking these questions like, why don't I just attack the leprechaun instead of my father? You know, why don't I just, you know, like, or I, I don't know. Anyway. So like, like, why don't me and her get the fuck out of here instead of just like sobbing in a corner, you know? Like, yes, yes, exactly. Like, but, but in the meantime, the sobbing in the corner is like the epic, like, Oscar clip drama moment. You know I what deserve I mean? this torment. Yeah, yeah. That it's like, I'm selling this shit. Like, and I'm not trying to make fun of the actor. Like, he, he did a good job. Like, he did his best with what he had. But probably like, probably the best actor in the movie. I mean, besides I Gary so. Chalk. Gary yeah. Chalk tried, but me and you were picking on this earlier. Worst Irish accent ever. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> You know, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, but, yeah. Anyway, it, it's just like I don't understand the rules. I don't. And then I guess this is what I wanted to talk about. So at the end of the movie is the insinuation that there was not just one leprechaun. There was like a fucking army of them in the village. Or or maybe that you just can't kill him, maybe. OK, I wasn't sure. Like, like I thought I thought because because she she's she finds this bag of gold, which has been absent, notoriously absent the entire fucking movie. If it was at the beginning, like, then I would understand. Yeah, like, it's kind of weird that the leprechaun was more interested like, in a fucking Rolex than his own fucking gold. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I just I, I don't know. Anyway, so so then the leprechaun comes after her and they they redo the fuck you lucky charm scene. Like she finds a um, what is it like a little a, a machete? Yeah. A machete, right? That is conveniently right next to the the gold and the statue and all that other shit. And when he comes right for her, she decapitates him and and says the famous, you know, "fuck you, Lucky Charms," which didn't really work for me in this film. Well, well it, I, it was a, it's a it's a fucking funny line, and the yeah. whole movie is not funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The entire movie is deathly serious, and then out of nowhere. You had the, you know, because cause in, in the original film, it's like you're sitting there and it's campy and it, like it, like we said, it's an after school special gone wrong. And then it's a little kid, too. So and this little kid who's who's a much more adult for his years, but still like. But, and, and, and he's, he's also here, been a smart ass for the whole movie. So him being a smart yeah, ass makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So so it's earned, you know, like where it's like it doesn't come out of nowhere, you know, and, and he sells it. And every time you hear it, you laugh your ass off. But this is like the good girl of the movie, like the the quote unquote virginal, you know, Heather Langenkamp or 
you know, Jamie Lee Curtis character or, you know, wh- whoever you want to point to, right? That That is the good girl of the franchise. And then all of a sudden, she lops off the leprechauns lucky, or whatever. Lucky charms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, fuck you, lucky charms. You know, and you're just kind of like, okay. Like, it didn't feel earned and it felt kind of like stupid, right? And and then th- that's what I wanted to ask you about. Now, you had an interesting take, like maybe just because she decapitated him, maybe, you know, that didn't really kill him, which, you know, in terms of the, the old Leprechaun films, he went through a lot of serious shit. He got burned and shot at and all kinds of crap, and it didn't really kill him, you know? So, so I, I would buy that if some of those rules had been set up. It didn't, I don't know, I, I just, I was wondering, like, well, it seemed like there were multiple trails going after her or something, or I, I don't know what. So I was like, I, you know, and it, when, well, when I saw that last scene, I just didn't understand what was going on. So I'm just like, oh, I give up on you, film. Like, it's supposed to mean something to me, and it means nothing to me, you know? Well, I, well, I mean, I agree. Like, the, the, I mean, whether you agree with how I took it or, or if I agree with how you took it, the, the whole ending was supposed to be that fucking ambiguous, like, the horror never ends kind of bullshit. Yes. Yes, that kind of the, the the Blair Witch kind of ending of of it's not an ending. It's an ending that's not an ending, which is annoying. I mean, I I don't care if that's like a thing now or whatever. Like, it's just annoying. Like, fucking write an ending and stick to it. You know. This this movie was trying for something. The biggest problem is I don't know if they tried hard enough. I don't know if the idea was to make this like a legit horror thing. But there's two things that they were missing massively. It's not it's not even like the, the victims. Honestly, most of us don't really care about the victims. It's like except for like, you know, Heather Lagenkamp, you know. She's famous, you know, for being that. Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, whatever. But the big thing is is your antagonist had no personality. I don't I don't I don't I didn't care about the leprechaun. And the thing about it is it's not that so much I don't want to care about him, but I would like I wanna know what the fuck he's doing. Why is he doing this? At least Warwick Davis was like, you know, I want me gold. You know, this guy is just like, you know, it's like. I think that translates into, I want me a Rolex or something. I want me a gold stud that's stuck in your tongue that's not really mine, that don't belong to me. Yeah, just just no fucking characterization. And, like, that's like, you know, the funny thing is, and this is going to, like, age me really well. And I know Derek will agree with me on this. It's really sad when the creature from the Black Lagoon has more character, and he doesn't even fucking say anything. <laughs> well, at least you got to see him a little bit. I mean, like not for nothing, but the, the, talking about perspective in this film, like I'm not kidding. When I when I watched the behind the scenes stuff where they showed how the actor had to get into makeup and he had extra long legs and. He, you know, how he kind of walked around with his arms and all this kind of stuff. I didn't see any of that in the fucking movie. Like, I almost felt like watching some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, there were, like, clips where, I don't know, the, the historian girl was going through a book talking about the Leprechaun's origin. I'm like, where the fuck was that in the movie? Like, I don't even think I saw the same movie. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually almost felt bad for the, the actor, like, the, the, the little person actor, because he apparently worked his ass off to, like, you know, try to do this, but... They filmed it in that fucking cutaway shit, you know, that quick cut thing where it's just like, ah, okay, quick cut, you know, I'm like, rah, yeah. leg, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you don't even have the time to, I mean, I know, I know that's the, the thing with movies today, like, you know, nobody can hold on a shot for longer than three seconds or something, but man, like, you just don't get a sense of scale or, 
appearance or anything. Like, I mean, there, there, there's maybe, I think that one shot where Gary Chalk gets thrown down the stairs is, like, the first time you see the leprechaun, like, really, really see him. Do you know what I mean? And that's, like, the last, what, 20 minutes of the movie? Yeah, even, maybe not even 20, maybe, like, last 15, yeah. Yeah, you know? And, and, and my, where, second, my second thing I was going like, to say is... on face for, like, longer than fucking 10 seconds, you know? Yeah. So. And my second thing was, like, they call this movie Leprechaun Origins, which I agree with you. Okay, where the fuck did that go? And that would have been not only a good way to reboot the franchise, but... Use another actor. And, yeah, and be like, you know, this is another Leprechaun. And give him a personality. Make, the, like, you know, tie into the personality thing. But be like, oh, this is why Leprechauns are fucking assholes. You know, this is why yeah. they're dicks. Well, I was like, you know, just because you slap Origins on the title. Like, to me, it, it, it it's like, you know, that... That is uh, not only bad marketing, but false advertising, like where you're like, oh, this film shouldn't have been called Leprechaun Origins, should have been called Leprechaun, where the fuck did he go, I can't see him, here's my Predator fucking Gold Vision, I don't know what the title should have been, like, but not not Leprechaun Origins, you know? I I agree with you, like, the the design of the Leprechaun was also horrible. Leprechaun in the Woods or something, you know, like, that's, I mean, that's all it was. I, I give the makeup people a lot of credit for trying to do what they did. Because I know, like, you know, doing that shit takes a lot of work. And you know what? Kudos to you guys for working hard, and that's fine, whatever. Kudos to the, the little person actor who, who tried his best to make it look good. But you, I mean, I'm, I hate to fucking say this because it sounds like such an asshole remark, but you didn't make anything memorable. I, I, don't, I don't give a shit about this, like, bad guy. You know, he's just yeah. another, you know weird x-files like that for something that was supposed to be a reboot like supposed to uh you know i guess inject some new life into a a long-running franchise like uh, you you killed it you didn't you didn't revive it you know what i mean it was like the last dying gasp instead of the 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 phoenix rebirth that that everybody was hoping for i think yeah i mean the, the only thing that would make this like movie like redeemable is if they pulled a Godzilla like from Japan and Warwick Davis came back in the sequel and just fucking straight up slaughtered this bitch and like was like, you know, I'm the real <laughs> leprechaun. <laughs> he was be like, I don't believe you're the real thing. Yeah. We just had a funny fling. <laughs> you know, he blows him up or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I'd, I'd pay, I'd pay good money for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I actually give Derek much more credit because he bought the Blu-ray, so he actually got good movies out of this instead of just one shitty one. I just bought the DVD, <laughs> which was. I mean, as far as that goes, like if anybody's listening, you know, there, there's it seems like except for this last shitty fucking piece of shit that we're talking about right now, there are commentaries which I haven't had a chance to listen to all of them on like all the other movies. There's this series of like featurettes where it's basically you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, so they have one for, like, each of the films, and they are tailored to the films, so they talk to, you know, different people, Warwick Davis, obviously, but, like, different actors, directors, writers, you know, producers and stuff, so you get to see, like, the Larry's perspective on it, and then you get to see, like, the writer-director's perspective on it, and, you know, so those things are pretty interesting, and it makes it, I'd say that makes it worth your while, especially if you're a fan and you're curious about that kind of stuff. I guess what I will say, like, as far as... Uh, that's really cool, by the way, as far as the Blu-ray commentary. But as far as I go, and this is... Again, this is... Don't make me sound like I'm really being mean to this movie, but I'm sorry, it deserves it. Where we gave our rankings for the original Leprechaun movies, 
the reason yeah, I didn't even bother. I, did, I don't even rank this because right? it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this goes straight at, you know, turn the dial up to 11 or whatever. This this is like negative fucking 55 or whatever. You know, it's, it's not even on the fucking meter. Like, yeah. 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 A- after I watched this, I was like, I'm going to need a lot of alcohol to do this podcast. Let, let me let me sum it up in a very uh, critical, like, you know, snarky way. Slow-paced, not enough revelations, you don't care about the characters, and at the end you feel like you wasted not 90 minutes, but around 78 minutes. It's not even an hour and a half. It felt like fucking longer than that. But oh, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... It, 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 anyway, I guess I guess for this Halloween, you know, whereas uh, I think Justin and I highly recommended Penny Dreadful, I think we're going to, me and Tony are both going to give you, our, our listeners, a pass on Leprechaun Origins. I mean, unless you just want to see uh, a poor hand-me-down remake of, you know, Cabin Fever, The Descent, or any other of these numerous post-millennium movies that I, I can't remember the names of, where, you know, people just kind of get tortured and packed up for no discernible reason. So there, there, There's a lot more awesome classic horror that you can check out instead of this really poor reboot, so I agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I guess, I guess that kind of wraps things up for the Leprechaun Origins and Leprechaun franchise segment of the Halloween podcast. I'm like, uh, I, I hope our listeners have enjoyed listening to us pontificate about the various movies in the Leprechaun Origins franchise. Yeah, I hope they. Uh, I, hope, I hope they realize that like the ones that we listed in the original franchise are definitely worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's worth checking out those original ones. I think. I mean, especially if you have a good sense of humor about it, you know. So that's all I have to say. It, it, I mean, do you have anything else, Derek, or would you like to go ahead and wrap this puppy up in a a ditty bag and call it a Halloween? Yeah, let's let's put it in the itty itty bitty ditty bag. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll wrap this up. I think we'll move on. I know, uh, you know, we'd like to do our awesome thing of the week as our regular segment. I'm gonna let Tony start us off and just ask him. You know, of course, if you ha- don't know, you know, we like to do a segment at the end of our shows called "What is Awesome in Your World This Week." And what we usually like to do is just you know share with the listeners something that we thought was really cool and everything. So. Tony, my man, is there anything that is awesome in your world this week? Um, it, it, it's it's probably not very awesome to most people, but uh, I love getting a, a good deal. Um, I grabbed the uh, Thundercats uh, first season, first half DVD set from the dollar store for a measly $6. And that's 33 yeah. episodes of the Thundercats hoeing their asses off. <laughs> and nice. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good price. I was I was very happy with my purchase, and anything cheap is good. And also for you, Derek, um, in the same uh, line, I also got Supernatural season five, which is probably one of the best seasons. Woo! Ah, yeah, I got that for also a a paltry six dollars. So oh, wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was I was very happy with my uh, dollar store scams this week. Also, um, if you get a chance to watch Supernatural, totally do it, especially the early seasons. Me and Derek both are kind of eh about some of the more recent seasons, but season five is totally awesome. Totally pick it up. Well, yeah, and then, and, uh, you know, along the lines of this being a Halloween podcast, like, that's also something fun for folks to check out if they're if they're into some kind of, you know, creature, creature feature gore type stuff, you know. Yeah, so. ghouls and ghosts and goblins. So what, what, do you, what do you got? That's awesome, man. Well, uh, I just wanted to give a few shout-outs, a few plugs. I know that on... 
the Supermates podcast, which is hosted by a husband and wife team uh, by the name of Chris and Cindy Franklin. You know, I, I discovered their show through our friend Rob Kelly, who came on the Fanholes podcast, and their show is called Supermates. So it's it's pretty clever. It's it's cool. They they like to talk about different comics and stuff like that. Right now they're doing a series of podcasts that's kind of comic slash horror related for Halloween. So like they've done some shows where they talk about a Frankenstein film and then they do a comic where, you know, Superman meets Frankenstein or they talk about a Dracula film and they do a comic where Batman meets a, a Dracula character and stuff like that. So it, it's been pretty fun and in keeping with the theme of the holidays and everything. And I had sent them some email in the past and they gave a shout out to the Fanholes podcast and also History of Comics on Film. So I, I just wanted to return the favor because I think they have a fun show. It's fun listening to, to them talk, uh, you know, week after week about stuff that they enjoy as well. So uh, you guys can check that out, the Supermates podcast, and uh, we'll have that on our awesome sites over there. So if you just click on the link over on the right, you should be able to check that out if that's something that piques your interest in keeping with the whole Halloween theme. So, hey, Justin, I know you haven't been with us for the entire Leprechaun Origins podcast, but why don't you give us a shout out and let us know what your awesome thing of the week is, my man. All right. I've been catching up on some TV shows lately, and my awesome thing for this week is the second and sadly final season of Copper, which I know uh, you've watched and enjoyed, Derek. Um, I really yeah, good show. Yeah, I, I really like the first season, and uh, if you're not familiar with it, basically it's a this is a show. It's like you know BBC, BBC America produced, but it's set in 1864 New York City, and it follows you know. Uh, a copper, uh, Irish cop who, you know, has various cases and has a very uh, torrid and rocky uh, personal life with, you know, friendships and his uh, missing wife and daughter and all kinds of different crazy things going on. And the second season kind of picks up where the first season left off. And um, like I was talking about with Penny Dreadful, like, you know, I can easily predict shows. Like, this is another show that, like, I really can't predict what's going to happen a lot of the time. Um, I really enjoyed this second season. Um, I liked that last episode quite a bit where they kind of they uh, band together and go go in search of uh, John Wilkes Booth and they have kind of, you know, some flashbacks to some of their Civil War memories and stuff. I, I really liked that, but there were two things I didn't like. They kind of wrote out two of the characters from the first season. Uh, Corcoran's wife, who recently came back, and then the character of Annie, like the former, like, you know, 10 or 11-year-old prostitute who Corcoran found and tried to, you know, set her on the straight path. Like, I was kind of sad to see those characters written out fairly early on, but but overall, the second season was really good, and uh, if you enjoy, if you're like me and you enjoy any kind of, like, historical TV show or anything like that, like, I would definitely recommend checking yeah, I totally concur, Justin. Copper is an awesome show, and it is really too bad that it got canceled, but at least we've got those two seasons to enjoy as they stand. All right, that's pretty much it for tonight. So until the next time, uh, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Tony, Chainclaw, and don't accept any substitutions. Warwick Davis is your leprechaun. Yes. I'm so bad.
Peace. Chandler, are you, have you emptied all your pistols out? <laughs> yeah, speaking of, um, so, uh, yeah, I definitely concur. It's a good show, and uh, and hopefully they're, you know, it's too bad it was canceled, but, you know, at least you can enjoy those two seasons uh, as they stand. I mean, we're coming up on nine minutes. Just to let you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, just we'll just we'll just take a second here. Did you hear my my email when it came on? Is that why you yeah. paused? That's that's oh. why I paused and, and started again. But yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I was wondering because like, I heard it like ding 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 ding, and you're like, okay, <laughs> leprechaun? <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, no. it's like. <laughs> I heard the email. It made me smell. <laughs> it made me crazy. Oh. oh, by the way, a fun note I will I will mention right now. We won't put it in the fucking podcast. But did did they not even like think to look outside of the fucking fireplace that has a door on the back? What fucking fireplace has a door on the back of it? Yeah, why why is there a door there? Why why can you get to the fireplace from underneath the fucking Rules, people. Rules. We need rules. We need rules in the world. <laughs> 